Are there spaces that should be male only? Like one of the things I really wonder about, for example, I talked to Tulsi Gabbard about this a while back. Is like, oh, great. it isn't obvious to me at all that our society would benefit by having women in frontline combat. Right. Like, and I, it isn't that I can generate an immediate coherent argument for why I believe that. <laughs> yeah, because it's sexist. <laughs> You're a sexist. That's why. You feel that you want to reinforce this concept that women are like uh, they're feminine and and they're the weaker sex, and at the end of the day they're they're empathetic and caring and nurturing, and we have to reinforce that in all ways. So they shouldn't actually be doing direct combat. That's for us brutes, us brutic men. Okay, we're the ones that from birth we're told that we have to be strong, we have to take charge, we have to control, we have to be able to dominate. So that's why we should be at the front lines, brother. Hey, everyone, you may have heard of Riley Gaines. Riley Gaines is doing a whole bunch of right-wing circuits right now. Uh, she's the woman who went to go speak at a school, and the right says that there was a uh, what they consider to be a terrorist threat against her uh, because people were calling her a bigot and a transphobe, uh, and that was enough for them to be like, oh, the violence on the left, look at this, Antifa has taken over again. Riley Gaines is also notable for placing fifth, placing fifth, and then starting a transphobic crusade after placing fifth, like even if you got everything you wanted, even if trans women were not allowed to compete in any form of sports anywhere, even if every single one of your desires came true, you wouldn't be on the podium. You, you wouldn't make it on the podium. You, you, you'd have fourth place. Yeah, you, you'd have to look at the other people on the podium. You, you, you wouldn't have an excuse you, you wouldn't be able to be like, well, I, I have a calling now. I need to point out what's happening. Oh, did you also know that, that cis women have broken the records of the trans athlete that oh, everyone yeah. really got mad about? You know how everyone just lost their minds and they're like, oh, God, she's breaking records, blah, blah, and oh, this is going to destroy all sports. And it was like, she didn't actually uh, break the, the actual top record that that was still held by a cis woman. And another cis woman has since broken her records as well that, that that also happened so just 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 so you all know as the lights are flickering the lights are on they're off an officer approaches me um very quickly and she grabs me and she's wearing nothing that indicates she's an officer and again i hadn't met her she never alerted me she was in the room her face is covered with a mask and she tells me very quickly trying to pull me along um as more people are filtering into the room she says come with me i'm an, i'm i'm with the police and I didn't believe her. Why would I believe her, right? Um, so I was very hesitant. I was reluctant. But truthfully, I had no other choice at this point because I was being we were being rushed at the front of the room. So we kind of navigate out of the room. We're only met with more pro protesters once we get into the hallway. We couldn't even come out of the door of the classroom because there were so many people filtering in that we had to go out this back door that led us to another classroom to get out that way. Um, to which when we got to the hallway... You look down to the staircase, there's hundreds of people. You look down to the other staircase, of course, which is your exit path to get out of the building, and it's hundreds of people. So ultimately, we had no other choice than this officer led me to another room along that same hallway where I was barricaded for three hours, over three hours, um, which was... <laughs> Interesting. It was, I mean, you in those moments, in those hours, you fear for your life. Oh, bloody hell. Grandmother's brush. Oh, it's here. Brush me, Grandma. 
crush me. Hello, everyone. Today I'm speaking with American athlete, top-ranking swimmer, and now campaigner for genuine female rights, Riley Gaines. <laughs> In our conversation, we're going to... Why are you like this? Fucking hell. He's always acting like a cutscene from a full motion video video game. He's always doing full motion video video games. And if you want a quick history lesson, everyone, there was a period in time when the compact disc came out and we had all these new video game systems where they thought full motion video games were going to change the world. You know, it was like, oh, we get to watch movies and play video games in the movies. And, and then they came out. And it was like, it was more just like you kind of just pick different scenes. It was like a really early Five Nights at Freddy's. I'm talking about Night Trap, for example. And then there was like Sewer Shark and some other ones. But like, uh, th th that's what he's always acting like. I, I always feel like, oh, bloody hell. Here we are. The dawn of a new age. Grandma's brush strokes our hair. Cover her career thus far. How she's navigated leadership positions in female sports and otherwise. How those sports have been co-opted by men claiming to be women. What? The ideological capture therein, and of course, oh, God. her recent experiences at San Francisco State University. Oh, bloody hell. Hi, Riley. I understand that it's about four in the morning there. Hi, Riley. I'm in Portugal, so, uh, you know, time zone trouble. It's real good of you to yeah. stay up so damn late and agree to talk to me and to everybody else here. So let's start with this. Um, let's talk a little bit about your life over the last couple of years, like what does your life consist of? I presume you're studying and you're aiming at something. You're also an athlete. So tell me what, how your life should be. Let's no, say. we're not watching two hours and, of this. Uh, I want to get to the meat. And how your life actually is. Let's see what the categories are. Riley's credibility as an athlete. Now nah, you place fifth. Obsessive dedication and unmatched discipline. Why ambition is not selfish. Grace and defeat. Oh, let's let's start there. Let's, let's see what grace we see in defeat. Again, she plays fifth. That's a really good point, you know, on the <laughs> women's sports <laughs> front, because one of the things that people need to do to develop in their lives is, well, you could say grace in victory, but you can also say grace and resilience in defeat. And the reason for that is that as we progress through life, as you pointed out, on all fronts, things are not always going to turn out the way we want them to turn out. And we're going to all suffer harsh defeats of one form or another, sometimes justly yeah, her Sarah is and very sometimes intense. unjustly. And because of that, one of the things that we need to learn and to learn early is how to take defeat in stride. Now, you made a case that not only is there you a question, take it in Jordan? stride, but that you also learned how to extract, extract value, let's say, from... <laughs> What is this bullshit? Are you serious? It's like, oh, so uh, not only were you graceful in your defeat, but then you launched a transphobic right-wing campaign afterwards. That's paying dividends. Yeah, hell yeah. Your failures so that you could then proceed to a new level of striving and attainment. You know, when, when we see someone who's a good sport, and generally that's someone who we might spontaneously admire, we see someone who doesn't take too much, who doesn't try to become vainglorious, let's say, as a consequence of winning, but even more importantly, that can take a defeat in good humor, can learn from it. Is, is this whole, oh my God, this is almost done. There's not even a question here. He's just rambling. You said that- um, Oh, and then it goes you, to the next one. You made a lot of sacrifices <laughs> on the time and energy front, let's say, to engage in this competitive enterprise, but that the rewards, despite the effort, the rewards were much greater than the cost of the sacrifice. So, and you've alluded to some of the rewards. You said that what do you let's, think you did badly the meat. on that front and had to learn to do better? And what do you think you did well? I think 
the things I did well um, were the things I mentioned. I, it's especially as a woman, it's difficult to hold each other accountable. Um, typically, women they don't like to be assertive in that way. They, oh, sorry, it's keep women's sports. I don't know what the last thing is going to be. They think it's mean. They think it's they take it personal. And so something I always tried to do well was hold people accountable in a way that made them want to do better. Email. And I think that falls along with, um, again, Got helping it. people develop personally to reach. Oh, by the way, you know how Heem and like DGG, they all shit all on me when they ask like, hey, Lance, uh, what is a woman? And then I like right away was like, oh, a woman is an adult human female. Like that that's only a gotcha here because they're all just like oh my god lance just invalidated trans people it's like but wait do you do you not consider trans women to be female if that's the case then you 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 got your gotcha but that's like that's not it i i don't understand why the libs got really mad at that take those team goals um which again it, it's i don't think even a male can understand necessarily um i want to i want to start doing a new segment let's see if chat gpt is is uh more woke than those sections of the internet all right are trans women female i'm going to read out the first response from chat gpt let's see if it is more woke than the liberal side of the internet Trans women are individuals who are assigned male at birth but identify and live as women. They undergo medical and or social transition to align their bodies and lives with their gender identity. From a gender identity standpoint, trans women are female because they identify and experience themselves as women. My word. ChatGPT is more woke than the libs. It's like reputation savaging and gossip to, what would you say, promulgate their aggressive behavior. Now, men there's, there's the anti-woke GPT one now, right? Uh, the one that like says really fucked up shit are much more likely to do that up front and there's some simplicity in that but also women have a proclivity to experience more negative emotion than men and so for each unit of stress they manifest more psychophysiological response that seems to kick in around puberty and so that additional call it volatility is the technical term that's an aspect of trait neuroticism by the way that volatility also that increased volatility also makes it more difficult arguably for women to brush things off the same way that men who are cooperating in a team might hey, GPT, I, mean, the I don't I'm know talking about this by the way and delving into this is because we are going to get into the topic of sex and gender very soon because well oh. that's where we're headed given oh, that that's the hell. root of the conflict that's made itself manifest around you and so it's useful to establish um and to start to explore the territory that's relevant with regard to sex differentiation now obviously when you were competing, you weren't competing in a co-ed situation. Right. It was women competing against women and men competing against men. And it's been set up like that for a long time. So given the claims in our society for radical equality, uh, both in actuality and as a desirable outcome. Okay, we have some stuff here. Anti-trans critics, okay. Anti-trans critics have been trying, or tying themselves in knots, trying to figure out how a trans man and three cis women beat a trans woman and University of Pennsylvania swimmer, Leah Thomas. This season is 22-year-old Thomas's first one on the UPenn women's team, and she has been consistently bombarded with transphobia. As critics screeched that her involvement in the competition was, quote, unfair, other swimmers even reportedly threatened to boycott meets where she was competing. But on Saturday, uh, at the twin duels meet in Yale and Dartmouth, uh, while Thomas won two races, she placed fifth in the women's 100 yard freestyle she was beaten beaten by three cisgender women uh with trans with trans men and yale swimmer uh, isaac henning taking the top spot in fact in another race on the same day thomas was uh beaten again by Hen uh, henning who had been delayed starting testosterone while he is still on the yale team the results flipped the transphobic narrative that trans women athletes have an innate advantage and presumably that trans men have a disadvantage on its head and sent transphobes into a tailspin according to the daily mail one stunned parent at the meet said i wasn't prepared for that everything is messed up 
up. I can't wrap my head around this. The NCAA National College Athletic Association needs to do something. <laughs> they need to do something. I don't know what. I'm so confused. So wait, a trans man beat the record? So, oh no. Oh, this is really not helping my cause, I think, or I don't know. Am I mad? I don't know if I'm mad. Can you tell me what to be mad at? Uh, please, Jordan, here, d make me angry. All of you. <laughs> Do you think that there's any, what is, if any, the justification for not making all sporting events, let's say, radically co-ed? Well, because I think we know how this would turn out um, time and time again, regardless of the sport, regardless of if it's an individual sport, a team sport, what that might look like. We've seen example after example where a mediocre male or a mediocre men's team um, nowhere near ranking the top. Let's say this could be nationally. This could be whatever level you're a mediocre male. <laughs> Are you an expert on mediocre? You did place fifth. <laughs> Pairing here, unanimously, these men, these men's teams, they dominate the women. Um, so having a co-ed team, that would not be beneficial to women by any means. Um, so I, I think that's why I, I believe there's value to having co-ed instructional teams when, you know, you're younger, when you're learning. But once you've gone through that puberty, uh, it's it's irreversible. Um Men are, of course, on average, taller, faster, stronger, more powerful. They jump higher. Wait, so are you advocating for us to actually start giving people gender-affirming care at the age-appropriate times? Is that what you're advocating for? Are you actually a trans ally by accident? Whoa, the wokeification continues. Um, there's so many different um, attributes, advantages that men have in comparison to women. And so I think co-ed teams, in a sense, if that's what you're looking for, um, of course, there's value to it. But... At the competitive level where you're competing, again, to win, um, that's what your goal is. Having men compete against women is, is very obvious. It's, it's unfair. Okay, so, so let, me, let me push okay. this. I'm going to push Let's this as it. far as I can push it because things are being pushed in our culture as far as they can be pushed. So we might as well go in for a penny and in for a pound. Um, <laughs> I could say, well, why don't we just scrap women's sports altogether? Like if the goal is faster, stronger, better, more powerful, and on average... That's not happening in the female domain. Why don't we just give up the entire enterprise on the female sports end and just let the men take over the, the playing field? If that's the point, you know, is the, if the point is to foster the highest possible level of performance. So to, what do you... Okay, well, first off, that is just such a weird loaded question. Even, <laughs> even your transphobic guest is kind of like, well, I, I, this is a, a softball of such a degree with the word salad stuff that you're doing. I don't totally know where we're supposed to go here. But yeah, no, we can we can make this transphobic. Um, there's a lot of problems with, especially in a patriarchal society, the way that we treat women's sports. I'm going to get to a couple of really big examples pretty soon, uh, just to kind of put a bow on everything here. But there's nothing related in the right-wing, uh, you know, conservative sphere right now that actually talks about the issues that women face in their leagues, such as rampant sexual abuse that is happening systemically at every single level of women's soccer. There was a huge, uh, you know, uh, fucking investigation into that that came out that was like, holy fuck, this is really bad. Same problems happening in hockey. In Canada, by the way, rampant sexual abuse of boys and girls, boys and girls, and also just a re-fostered fucking system of misogyny that is like junior players are also committing sexual assaults and then getting the entire thing covered up because it's like, oh, whoa, no, 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 this is such a staple of the Canadian identity. We can't possibly give in to the idea that people may have committed some pretty fucking horrendous sexual assault crimes. Uh, they, they, they are, they're just a young bunch of young boys, you know, uh, let's not have their entire lives get tarnished by this one accusation, shit like that. Uh, the underfunding of women's sports in comparison to men's sports. Unbelievable differences there. There's no pay equity whatsoever. And, like, 
a lot of these people never cared about women's sports at all. You never heard them talking about the NCAA. And I include myself as someone who has not spoken about the NCAA until it was uh, defensive at all these people just going nuts. Because again, I'm not a sports scientist. I, I, I am not a sports, I'm not, I'm, as you can probably tell, I'm not a, a, a talented athlete in any way, shape or form. That's fine. Not everyone's going to be talented athletes. That being said, why is it that there's suddenly this hyper-focus on this one aspect? And it seems, once again, we're seeing the overlap between transphobia and misogyny. A lot of internalized misogyny. And and when it comes in the form of trans misogyny, suddenly it's like, oh, well, no, no, this, this isn't misogyny. It's justified because uh, I'm going to be a transphobe and a misogynist simultaneously uh, by saying that I don't feel that they have any place in women's spaces. To say that men are stronger, to say that men are faster, taller, whatever... Um, that's not to say that women are inferior. That's not to say that we're not capable of amazing things and we're not strong and we're not, um, again, all of those words. I pre- <laughs> That's kind of funny that <laughs> there was so much like fucking not even coded misogyny, so much stuff in that statement. It was so front loaded that you had to start by saying, well, I just, uh, I want to slow you down a little bit here, Jordan. I know we're on the same page. We're trying to do the same thing, but just, uh, just so we're clear, uh, that's kind of a yikes way of framing it. Obviously mentioned, but we have different physical ceilings. Um, I believe we deserve to be celebrated on our uniqueness. That's what makes the women's sporting category special. And there are still phenoms in women's sports, just like there are male sports. Um, look at Venus and Serena Williams. While by no means could they compete with the the best male tennis player, they're phenomenal. They are, um, it's amazing what they've accomplished. They've set themselves apart from every, every other female. We also have to talk about the fact that like we still live in a very patriarchal society. So there's still a thing where uh, even if people are suddenly becoming more woke now and more tuned into a lot of these issues, that doesn't mean overnight that there's like a systemic change to women's sports as a whole. And the way that like, you know, from a very early age, a lot of pro athletes are oftentimes uh, curated by their parents as in like they wake up super early from like you know 5 a.m every day to go get them out to, to hockey practice to make sure that they have all the all the all the training and all all the extra hours and it becomes your entire life and then like if you are not one of the 0.01 percent of people who eventually make it into the pros it's kind of like well you spent like 20 to 30 years of your life being like curated by your parents and that i want to have a super athlete i want to have this we have to we have to make you into like the number one in the world and that deserves to be recognized um, so to yeah, say well, okay. we're different. So let's let's delve right. let's delve into that. So because you might say, well, there's two reasons for high level competition, and let's say on the athletic front, one would be to extend the domain of. Why is Lance obsessed with identity politics? He barely talks about class politics. That's usually av- actually the first half of the show. It's usually me going through the news, hyping up uh, strike uh, unionization, worker cooperatives, bringing like light and attention to it. I think the big problem is that one, uh, leftists, especially if you're like someone who's commentating on like the news and shit like that, you're expected to be able to have like a very well-fined opinion on most things. Like if someone's like, hey, Lance, what do you think about what's going on in Bosnia right now? I'm supposed to be able to hear that and be like, oh, uh, <laughs> and there's a lot of things that like I think and I've had to learn this the hard way I shouldn't jump into speaking about especially when it comes to a topic that like uh, I haven't done all the reading on this one let me get back to you kind of thing whereas like very recently especially because of the Tim Pool debate I've been trying to really brush up on a lot of things related to gender theory stuff like that and there is an intersection between obviously the oppression of people under uh, what is called identity politics I mean identity politics by the right is, is essentially at the end of the day people existing you know uh in the real world it's like they like to frame it that like hey by the way uh you know why are you talking about like you know uh say a uh, a black trans woman who uh recently uh you know had this happen to her uh rather than talk like 
but there is this this thing that at the end of the day you can't just have only class uh, politics like no 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 war but class war is something I'm told uh, by a handful of people sometimes and I agree I, I want to uh, abolish unjust hierarchies uh, just like the rest of you I want to evolve capitalism into a much better economic system uh, that has equality of opportunity for all which we don't have but that equality for opportunity of, uh, for all also intersects with a lot of problems uh, dealing with uh, you know hard coded races transphobia homophobia all that kind of stuff um I, I i forget who did the video but we played a video not too long ago about like the differences that are going to occur even if you do things like uh render uh, a workplace better uh and a more equitable environment for say uh women and say like oh we have to have like uh opportunity for hiring promotion all that kind of stuff uh we have to uh you know destroy the glass ceiling uh, we have to have pay equity uh we have to have more women in positions of like you know uh ceos uh or, or managers or managerial positions stuff like that and we're going to work hard towards that even if you start to achieve a lot of those things there's still going to be a different lived experience for say a black woman who's working in the same environment or an indigenous woman who's living in the same environment because there's going to be all kinds of different forms of oppression that they face that is outside of simply the job trying to care more the job trying to do better and that kind of stuff right you do have to talk about both i will agree though that if the criticism is that like i'm often uh f- focusing a lot on uh, issues related to either uh, racial oppression or you know lgbtq plus oppression it's true um, it's probably because those are a couple of the things that I've like I've been doing uh, more reading that I feel a little bit more confident off the cuff uh, talking about on these kind of things. To 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 answer that question shortly, <laughs> what's possible in terms of performance and to model that for other people, and then you could make a case. Well, the ab- you could make the case that the absolute records are look the at the little slugger. So the fastest person he got into a fight world, today, the fastest swimmer in the world, and most of the time that's going to be men. But then you could make. Uh, a more sophisticated case, which I believe is the proper case, that actually what you're doing as an athlete or, or as any expert in a competitive realm is modeling the ability to push the envelope and to further transform and develop. And unless you believe that that's less important for women, which is a preposterous thing to believe, then you have to believe that setting up a situation where women can push the envelope consistently in whatever directions they're pushing you have to presume that that's a psychological good and a social good. And then you have to presume that the spaces where that can occur have to be protected. But that also opens a can of worms, doesn't it? Eh? Because <laughs> since the 1960s in particular... I love when he gets excited. We've blown Whoa. off the barriers Hi, buddy. between men and women in terms of general participation in society, right? And so we've decided... I'm going to get him a little dog bed. Give me one sec. All things considered, spaces isolated to a given sex are suboptimal. Right, we the schools are co-ed, the like the the public schools, the universities are co-ed, all business enterprises are co-ed, so to speak, and then of course, so that that raises the question: Well, should any domains be left sex segregated? Um, if so, how do you walk the fine line between sex segregation for the purpose of facilitating development and sex segregation that turns into prejudice and um, and oppression, right? Just rejection on the basis of sex. And then also the thorny question of, well, if most enterprises should be completely open to both sexes, which enterprises should be protected? Do you have any, obviously you believe that athletic performance, athletic competition per se, should be one of those protected categories. But do you have any sense of how we as a society should draw the line? It's like, are there spaces that should be male only? Like one of the things I really wonder about, for example, I talked to Tulsi Gabbard about this a while back, is like, oh, great. it isn't obvious to me at all 
that our society would benefit by having women in frontline combat. Right. Like, and I, it isn't that I can generate an immediate coherent argument for why I believe that. <laughs> yeah, because it's sexist. <laughs> You're a sexist. That's why. You feel that you want to reinforce this concept that women are like, uh, they're feminine and, and they're the weaker sex. And at the end of the day, they're, they're empathetic and caring and nurturing. And we have to reinforce that in all ways. So they shouldn't actually be doing direct combat. That's for us brutes, us brutic men. Okay. We're the ones that from birth were told that we have to be strong. We have to take charge. We have to control. We have to be able to dominate. So that's why we should be at the front lines, brother. There's something about it that strikes me. Yeah, what about no combat? That would probably be where I would want us to eventually get. It would be nice if we weren't just, like, you know, preoccupied with uh, killing each other. That's nice. <laughs> More deeply and emotionally, I suppose, that that just, there's something preposterous about that. Maybe it's partly because, look, it isn't obvious to me that professional frontline combat, that's pretty damn hard on anyone. That's even really hard on extremely well put together and extraordinarily strong and brave men. And so to also presume that that's going to be open to women just seems to me to be taking the whole bloody charade too far. Now, you know, you can say that I'm old-fashioned and prejudiced, although I don't actually think I'm... Yes, yes, I I, I would say that. Yes, absolutely. Yes, you have a long history of extreme prejudice, actually. Yeah, just extreme transphobia, homophobia, racism, all that shit. His racism towards indigenous people doesn't get enough smoke, but it should. It absolutely should. Uh, I should pull up his racist tweets. Neither. But, you know, it is a thorny question, right? It's like, well, if men and women are equal, then... Why should there ever be sex-segregated spaces of any sort? And we're certainly seeing, seeing that on the bathroom front. We're seeing that on the change room front. We're seeing that on the athletic front. So what do you, where do you think that the line should be drawn so that there are female spaces and male spaces and that those are protected? And how do you think? Yeah, look at this. Uh, Orphan Times Research flash, Flashback number two, Mina Vodka Freezer sampling the goods. The good Dr. Jordan B. Peterson responds... It's a good that you consume the liquor this time instead of letting some Indian steal it. Like, there's coded racism, and then there's just straight racism racism. And that's, that's just straight racism racism. We manage that, like, legally and conceptually. I think where any place where yeah. either of the sexes is vulnerable, whether that be in regards to privacy, in regards to safety, in regards to um, anything that relies on your physiology, because, of course, men and women are physiologically different. Um, I think that's where that sex protection based rights are important. So Right. But like we should be talking more about the problem. This is what I was trying to say on the Tim Pool show that like cis heterosexual men are the ones who commit all these sexual assaults. And within society, we should be also discussing why is this being reinforced? Why why are we do we live in a culture that promotes a, a lot of misogynistic tendencies that can lead to violence and sexual violence? And why is it that the focus now has to be on something that is directly going to discriminate against people who are already marginalized in society when they again by the stats, the statistics are not the perpetrators of this. Trans women are not the ones uh, assaulting uh, cis women in bathrooms. It's cis men who are doing that. Prisons that's an area where women specifically are vulnerable. Um, of course, shelters, again, bathrooms, locker rooms. Um, no woman should be subjected to having a male in that space. Um, so I think it's it's areas where... And again, no one's advocating for that on the other side. They're not asking for cis men to suddenly be allowed into cis women's change rooms. It's not, it's not part of this. Sex so, is so, important. So, okay, yeah, trans so people are far okay, more likely so to be the victims. Like, there's a subset of areas where... 
the fact of the biological difference between men and women becomes paramount. Correct. Right? And so those would be, well, in change rooms is a really good example of that. But you extended that also to, say, women's shelters and prisons and so forth. So it's there's there's something there that's sort of, what would you say, it's reminiscent of the idea of nakedness, I suppose, because you mentioned vulnerability, right? So right. when you're stripped down to your most vulnerable, that's when the segregation is most necessary. It's something like that, right? I believe... It seems that way. Yeah, I believe there's, there's value in understanding that. Um, I, I truthfully think anywhere right. where sex is relevant, um, there are certain places, um, let's, let's consider the, the workplace. There are certain places where sex isn't necessarily relevant. There are certain places where it are. I like how you mentioned military. That's a very good point. Um, men and women, there are differences there that would, again, make anything that requires sheer strength, make men be advantageous and make that more, um, Again, though, but why is this what you all of the right just paints with such a broad brush? It's like that. Yes, that there are men who on average maybe are going to be more physically strong than other cis women. But there's also cis women who are very strong, much stronger than me and could beat the fucking shit out of me. Uh, and why is it that you have to say all women shouldn't be allowed to face or do frontline combat? At the end of the day, a woman with a gun is going to be just as deadly with a man. I'm uh, sorry, as a man with a gun. I mean, you're the ones who are always saying that. <laughs> Achievable. That's that's what we're wanting, right? We want to be this powerhouse. We want men at the forefront. So I think where sex plays a role, that's where we kind of have to draw that line. There are certain... So it would be where the biological differences are germane, number one, to performance, like specifically germane to performance, but also number two, specifically germane to differential vulnerability. So anywhere where women are sexually vulnerable or anywhere where the physical differences in performance actually have a substantive effect on the, the, the performance itself. So, well, so here's an example. I mean, there's no evidence that men and, different, men and women differ in IQ. There are micro differences in IQ and some of them are... Oh, hell, let me measure the skulls. Or this is from the NRA. I don't think I've ever used the NRA as a source before. Are women naturally better shooters than men? Is the female of the species truly more deadly than the male? Uh, Firearms are truly the great equalizer. As women, are, our lack of upper body strength relative to men stop mattering the second we step up the firing line. All you really need physically is to be a good shooter, is a decent hand-eye coordination. That's something that should be more or less consistent with cross both sexes. And yet, as a military logis lo logistician, sorry, my unit had around 20% female personnel in both officers and enlisted ranks. All the women fired expert their first day, but less than a third of the men did so. Several men had to retrain and repeat the course to qualify. This pattern continued with the 9mm replaced the 45 in 1985 until I retired in 1997. It also appeared that differences in uh, musculature and hand size had no effect on the scores. Wow. Well, you don't say NRA. Uh, so what made the difference? Uh, they were told how to hold the gun. That's the way they held it. Told to look at the front sight, and that's what they looked at. Told what I thought they were doing wrong, and their first instinct was to believe me. Wow. Look at that. I guess uh, women being better listeners than men because of, you know, gender stereotypes is also making them much more efficient killers. Yeah. Hey, this isn't some left-wing publication. This is the NRA. The goddamn NRA is saying this, you know? So our first male gun instructor said that, yes, women are better shooters. And his theory is because we listen. What do you know? Now, that's not to say, boys, that's not to say that we can't do better as well. I mean, we could learn to become better listeners instead of always trying to lead the charge. But this does play into gendered stereotypes, right? Uh, and so listening in this case would have would have made you better at the shoot-shoot. 
we also checked the firearms instructor, the legendary gun writer, Sheriff Jim Wilson. Here are his thoughts. Men and women are equal in terms of their ability and physical skills needed to learn to shoot. However, I think more women approach the task in an open-minded manner. They seem to have fewer preconceived notions and ego that doesn't get in their way quite as much. We've all been in the class where one student tries to act like the junior instructor, and in my experience, that is always a man. My Hispanic friends call that macho. <laughs> A fine, descriptive word, and that's something that every student needs to park at the front gate before class starts. So our second male gun instructor said that, yes, women are better shooters, and his theory is that women listen to their instructors instead of trying to one-up them. What do you know? Yeah, I know, weapons gone woke. NRA's gone woke, y'all. Can you believe this? Are arguably important. Okay, what you give up to be success, men and women's sports, rallies versus competition, where you play, place fifth apply fairly in order for that game to be justifiable. Now, you're objecting because some of that... <laughs> Leah Thomas is a narcissist. Was violated. That's so wild. There's a chapter called Leah Thomas is a Narcissist. Like, she did not want to become the, the center and focal point of the trans women in sports debate. That, that was like, that was thrust upon her. She, she was not looking for all that attention. Who by would? By the COVID pre-prohibitions. But... We're now going to turn to a more specific case. So the rules are you're competing against people who have the same limitations you are so that all of your attempts to transcend your limitations. There's a psychologist that ditched all his patients as soon as his profile rose. Yeah. And then turned his whole like, oh, you're trying to take it away from me. They're trying to take my license. Mother, what do I do? Help. Are fair and then equally rewarded. But now we throw a monkey wrench into the works. We decide that uh -oh. a biological male who undergoes a certain amount of psychological and or physiological transformation can now be deemed a woman. And so let's turn to that. So when were you and your teammates first faced with the necessity of competing against someone who was at one point 100% a biological male? This is something we did in practice oftentimes. Um, so in a sense, we were relatively used to, at least we understood the differences between men and women um, because we would practice together in the mornings. At nights, we would have different practice times, the men and the women's team. But in the mornings, we would practice together for the most part. Um, so we knew what that looked like. I mean, the worst men's swimmer on the men's team at University of Kentucky could easily beat the fastest girl on our team. Um, so we knew what that looked like. But in terms of facing a male in competition, that did not happen until our NCAA championships in March for my team. Um, there were other teams um, within the Ivy League, other schools, that this was something they dealt with all year long, starting in October. That was what year? That was what year? This was, it started in 2021 to 2022. So 2021, and that you said in March? Yeah, so she it was in fifth. March of 2022, um, but the season began in about October, September of 2021. His comments are full of chuds being mad that Peterson isn't transphobic enough? What? Like Peterson? By the standards of transphobia? Holy shit. I know he's not like, is as far as Marjorie Taylor Greene or like Nick Fuentes or the people who, or Michael Knowles who are like genuinely saying out loud that they, you know, basically don't want trans people to exist. Uh, but he's one of the most transphobic people that we watch or hate watch. Like that's ridiculous. Okay. Okay. Now, so now two questions that come out for that. The first is, Oh, I'm just assuming that when mind. you're practicing with the man in the morning and you see that the worst man on the male team can swim faster than the fastest woman on the woman's team, um, how, what's the appropriate psychological no, reaction no, you're fine. Because you could imagine I, that, I misread. You know, you could imagine two routes. You could imagine on the one hand that it would be demoralizing because it is in terms of absolute performance. Or on the other hand, you could think, well, it's irrelevant because that's not the game, right? The game is that you're competing against people who have your limitations, not people who have this other set of limitations. I mean, if, uh, if you're in the pool with a dolphin and it swam faster than oh you, that God. wasn't, well, it's not going to be demoralizing because it's not <laughs> the same game. So was there any sense of demoralizing? <laughs> it's not the same game. 
<laughs> Release the dolphin! Oh, you couldn't beat the dolphin, I see. Yes, not a talented swimmer you are. <laughs> Moralization among the women with regards to the apprehension of the superior performance. Men are dolphins, males, you heard it. Off the table? Was that irrelevant? Women are yeah, from Venus was, and men irrelevant. are dolphins. Um, of course, we expected to get beat, but in a sense, it gave us... Men and women are different species? Well, apparently, I don't know. Kind I'm of a driving things. factor. If we are racing next to a male... Um, or whatever that looked like if we're... Oh, sorry, the trans women are dolphins. Ah, I get it. Um, Ridiculous. No matter no matter how you... You could almost strive to keep up with them because you knew... It's a, a very silly a, metaphor. Let's just say that. But you could kind of set that barrier. Let's see how close I can get. Um, so by no means was it demoralizing. True. Dolphin and human so fetuses are the same to Charlie Kirk. I mean, it could be seen as beneficial to competing in, or not competing, training with males. Holy shit. Yeah, we actually have two references. I could almost make a meme out of this. You could, you could start, like, you know, splicing that first one where Charlie Kirk thought a dolphin fetus was a human fetus. Because you're training next to someone who's better than you. And that's always a good thing, right? If you're dedicated to pushing yourself and bettering yourself. Um, this competition, the psychology of knowing you won't win. You bet you, you won't win even if there weren't trans women in sports. You placed fifth. <laughs> You're facing him in competition. So what sort of shockwaves, let's say, does that send through you psychologically, but also through your team? It's, um, swimming is, of course, a physical sport. There's a lot of, there's several physical aspects that go into it. But just like any sport, there's so much mental that goes into it as well. So I can't even tell you what this distraction, because that's ultimately, take take away the unfair competition piece, that's ultimately what this was. It was a, a huge distraction. Um, it was all anyone could talk about. There was so much media attention, which I think we can all agree swimming is not a sport that typically garners media attention. Um, there was awkward whispers on the pool deck of people who felt- Wait, wait, why do you think that is? That, that was because of all of you, all the right-wingers, turning this into a huge issue. That's the reason why. Felt so uncomfortable and wrong, but didn't feel comfortable enough to say it loudly. There was side eyes, eye movement. You were so transphobic, you were distracted from swimming properly. <laughs> it, it like it shaves off minutes from your game, you know. And so there was so much that just kind of made you feel as if three other cis women weren't as distracted as you. <laughs> it's also true. If you were living in this twilight zone, um, so that's what that piece looked like from the mental. Uh, I think I've heard enough from this. Do you enjoy the surfs, but prefer not to have to use your eyeballs? Many are saying this. Well, we've got the solution for you. It's the Surf Times in podcast form. Available on most major podcasting networks now. If you enjoy it, please consider leaving a good review and feedback because it really helps the show out, apparently, and it's free. Just like the podcast. To our gods, Xander Corvus and Peyton L. Juice, we shall spend many a generations building mighty cathedrals in your honor. To our monarch, Tom Spiker, we are but your oafish jesters, here to offer you a laugh at any opportunity. To our brave knights of the round table, Rachel Kay, Izzy Solidarity, Victoria Bell, Sebastian Demel, Mark Harmon, Benji Arnie, Scary Earth Human, Tony, DM Rivera, Resident Scarecrow, Sir Nickus, Cheryl Alvarez, Ruby Kelly, Brandon, Words Greenwood, Everything Important, Hegbird Celine, Matthew Scarborough, Stellar Vision, Ariane McCarthy, Doug Cady, Daniel Sutton, Jenna Tao, Dark Puppy, Quiet185, Anna Loves Riley, Omni, Riley and Anna, Poodlehawk, Multimondi, Trevbot EXE, Brian Ephraim, Anthropophojack, Catherine, 
Ramon Acosta, Incosin, Ralph Parler, Violent Orchard, Political Puppy, La Media Panza, Todd Buckingham, and Todd Lajeunesse. We salute our valiant heroes off to fight injustice everywhere.